Have you ever wondered how to identify just what to ask in a conversation to determine what exactly the person most wants to talk about? Today's guest is Andrew Warner, the founder of Mixergy. He's interviewed thousands of business leaders, and he's going to help us learn how to know what to ask. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 198. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Yes, you can lead with integrity and authenticity. This weekly show supports your development so you can do exactly that. I'm so glad you tuned in today because I have someone with us who I've known for a while is really a very talented leader and entrepreneur, uh, both online and also in traditional business. And I am just really excited to be able to introduce Andrew Warner to you. He is the founder of Mixergy, which helps ambitious people who love business as much as he does learn from a mix of experienced mentors. And when he was in his 20s, he created a $30 million internet business with his younger brother. And today he interviews business founders about their stories and hosts courses that teach solutions to issues that can often cripple business founders. Andrew, it's great to get reconnected with you. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Oh, it's good to be on here. Reconnected because I... I volunteered to help out at Dale Carnegie and you were the teacher who led it. And I always remember all the things that you taught. I remember your spaghetti sauce story, for example, <laughs> to this day, because you brought spaghetti sauce to life. I had forgotten about that. That is awesome that you remember that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's re- when I'm reading your bio here and thinking back to our first conversation when you were got involved with Dale Carnegie, I knew you had had a successful business and that you'd sold it. I had no idea it was a $30 million business at the time. And you were helping out in the course and we were working. It was just you and me working together as, as kind of instructor and graduate coach in the class. Yep. And I learned, I think, as much from you in that experience as uh, you learned from the course and from Dale Carnegie. So I was really grateful to get introduced to you a while back. It was fun. Thanks. Well, um, I invited Andrew to come on today and to have some uh, conversation about an article he wrote recently, which when I saw, um, and actually I didn't even see it originally, Andrew, one of my colleagues at Dale Carnegie saw it. And as soon as he saw it, he emailed it to me immediately and said, you have to read this. This is great. Um, And it's about, and I think you titled it the shoved fact technique, (laughs) which sounds, uh, it, it sounds interesting, but it's really a powerful concept. And so uh, I'm wondering if you could just kind of frame how you how you started thinking about this before we get into the details of it and and where this came from originally. We had Thanksgiving dinner over at our house a few years ago, and this guy comes in and he says, "Boy, I'm so sorry that I'm late. You know, there's a lot of traffic. Plus, you know, once you go through a divorce, everything seems to take twice as long. I couldn't figure out where my daughter's sweater was at my house or my ex-wife's house." And man, this traffic really is so bad in the city. And immediately one person said, you know, 
forget about all that. Have a seat. It's all behind you now. And another person said, yeah, San Francisco is just full of traffic because all of these internet startups are bringing people in from all over the country and the city just can't support it. And I was thinking, this person was dying to talk about his divorce. He came out to a Thanksgiving dinner to get to, to, to be with friends and family. And this should be his place to talk about this major life change, major life event. But instead, we all tried to direct our attention away from what he wanted to talk about. And I realized that people often will stick those kinds of facts like, when you go through a divorce, things seem to take twice as long into conversation. And if you notice it, this fact that seems out of place, it almost is forced into the conversation, then you know what people are so eager to talk about that they're that they're just pushing it towards you and begging you almost to have a conversation about. And that's where the real conversations are. What made you think in the moment, did, did you recognize in the moment that that was the thing he really wanted to talk about? Or was it later on that you were like, oh my gosh, like we missed the, this big piece? So around the time that you and I met, I, I actually took a lot of time off after my company. And that's that's why I had time to go do Dale Carnegie with you. And the other thing I wanted to spend some time on is just learning how to have conversations with people that had nothing to do with business. And so I would go out at night and I would get to know people. I would go to Toastmasters where you and I met and I would get to know people there mm -hmm. and I would go to different events. And I just kept practicing my conversation skills and seeing what worked. And one of the things that I kept noticing was that people would push this bit of information. And if I just practiced bringing it up, then I realized that's where the gold was in the conversation. The gold meaning bonding, the gold meaning having that real genuine conversation where you walk away having known each other, not just known what's in our LinkedIn profiles. Interesting. Interesting. So that kind of came from your own personal experience. And so you've been tra you've trained yourself to listen for that in conversation and see what it is that people bring up. Yep. Cool. So um, I, I, one of the things that I was really interested in by your article is that you articulated like a process for how to do this. Um, and I, I think the process is really powerful. And I was wondering if you could just kind of walk us through what, what are some of the things that you look for either in that conversation specifically or in general, when you're, when you're trying to figure out what's the kind of thing that people want to talk about. So actually, because I've done now over a thousand interviews with entrepreneurs, I've trained myself to look for lots of opportunities to draw somebody out and to get them to be more personal than they would otherwise. And one of my uh, coaches, actually, I, I hired the producer of Inside the Actor Studio. I said, every week, I want you to take a look at my transcripts from my interviews. You guys do really in-depth interviews. Go through them with me and help me identify what I did right and where I could have improved. And and every week we would do it. And when we'd find this technique that I was using and didn't notice I was using, we'd give it a name. When we'd find a technique that I needed to know to get people to, to open up, we'd talk about it and then we'd give it a name so that I'd remember it. And I created this Google Doc full of all these different techniques that I was learning from him. And then my team and I here at Mixergy were, were learning. And then we created this process that we use internally to make sure that when I'm sitting and having an interview with someone, I'm not hoping it's going to be a good conversation. I know it is because if it's not, I have a series of, of techniques to draw on. And so the shove fact technique was one of them. Um, and you're asking about the four-step process because I was starting to teach it to my audience. I said that the, the first step is simple. Just look for that fact that doesn't seem to fit in a conversation. And I've got another one. The very day I think that I emailed it out. Yeah. Well, five days later, I emailed that out on May 13th. Five days later, I get this email from someone who says, 
This is from Alex. Alex says, oh man, Andrew, I can't tell you how happy I was this morning to have received your note. I sent him a handwritten note. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he continues, he goes, this weekend was a little rocky for me personally, but getting a handwritten card from you has put me in the most positive spirits. Of course, I passed on your appreciation to David and the accounting team, the accounting team that I work with. Notice how there's a, a fact that he didn't need to tell me. He didn't need to tell me that this past weekend was rocky for him personally. Mm-hmm. It's pushed in there. He could have just said, Thanks for the handwritten note. It made my day. I don't usually get a lot of handwritten notes. It was, it put me in a positive spirit and I'm going to pass what you said on to David and the accounting team. All of that would have been directly related to what we'd done. The part that wasn't was this, this rocky relationship. And so I emailed him back and I said, hey, do you want to get together for a drink so we can talk about it? And we did. We went out, we got a beer and we ended up just going for a walk down uh, the San Francisco Bay and getting to know each other. And since we do business together, that kind of bond is what allows us to, you know, to, to work better together. So that's the thing that, that, that stood out. Going back to the four steps, the first one is to look for that, that thing that doesn't fit in the conversation naturally. And that's almost the same thing with the, the, the first situation too, with the, mentioning the divorce the mm-hmm. other elements of that all kind of explain them being late, but that was the piece that was in there that there was no reason it needed to be in there, but the reason was that's what he wanted to talk about. Right. He could have said, my, I couldn't find my, my daughter's sweater. He could have said traffic. All of those things would have been true. Um, and, and so he shoved that fact in. The second step is to make sure you're picking something personal. Right. So when people shove facts into conversation, they could shove anything. And like, look at this uh, email from Alex. At the end, he says, of course, I passed on your appreciation to David and the accounting team. You could maybe say that including David was a bit of a shoved fact, but it wasn't personal. That's not where we're really going to bond. That's not where we're really going to get to know each other. That's just business. I think we should look for those personal things that people are, are bringing up in conversations. One of my interviewees, um, Am I blanking on his name? The oh, uh, Keith Ferrazzi, the mm. author of Never Eat Alone. Yeah, great he book. Talked to me about how he sat down to dinner with someone, and they just ha- he happened to be going through, I think, a divorce at the time, and they started talking about it. And because they didn't talk about work, but they talked about their relationships, they ended up with this bonding dinner where they all ended up doing business together because we do business with people who are bonded with. So step one, look for that fact that seems shoved in the conversation. Step two. Pick a fact that is personal. Step number three, ask a question about it. Can I ask you a quick step yeah. quote two question first? Yeah. I think a lot of times our inclination, and I think you mentioned this in the article, is to avoid the personal. Like that's where we go last instead of where we go first, especially yeah. if someone we don't know super well. Why is it so important to go to the thing that is the most personal when you identify that? Think about the people who you really like to do business with, and you'll remember that you that you know them personally. Think about the people who you do things that where you go out of your way for them. They're either your biggest clients, right? They deliver a lot of revenue, and so you want to go and you have to go out of their way, or potentially your biggest clients, or they're people who you just really care about because you've gotten to know them. It's the same reason why we start this conversation. You ask me where am I living instead of hey Andrew, what are your revenue? What's your revenue like? Right, right before we before we started recording. We want to get to know each other. I asked you about your watch. It's those personal connections that bond us. Cool. So so that's the place to start. Don't be afraid of that. Actually look and seek that out because that's what that's what human beings are looking for. Yeah. 
And, and frankly, one of the problems that I had in having relationships with people for business was that I thought all we needed to do was talk about business. And I never would talk to anyone about anything personal. Oh, interesting. And that's why I had very, very businessy relationships that would fall apart if there was no business to do together. And they wouldn't carry forward for years and be there to ask favors of or to do favors for. And so in that time where I took some time off to figure out how relationships work, that's one of the things that I, that I had to learn, that it's okay. In fact, I should have personal conversations with people. What, did, what was the turning point for you when you realized you were starting to be more intentional about that? And what did you do differently in approaching conversations or relationships that you hadn't been doing before? Um, I went out and I sought them out. I just said, I'm going to make sure to go out and have conversations more often. I'm going to go to Toastmasters, but not leave it at the, not leave at the end of the class and walk away. Mm. I would talk to someone sitting next to me. And I remember there was one person sitting next to me whose sister was, um, had committed suicide, frankly. And she brought it up and nobody talked about it. Can you imagine just bringing this thing up that's really painful for you and you're basically longing for someone to talk about it and no one does? And I remember asking her about it. All I did was just ask a question and it's like a release for the other person. And it's, it's a way of, for us to get to know each other. And then I shared some things about myself and the more we talk, the more we, more we got to know ourselves and each other. And you so, still remember that 10, 11, 12 years later now because of that connection that was made. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So I've interrupted you twice now. So let's, no, uh, um, let, we're just going through this as I, as I said, it's you look for the fact, you pick the one that's most personal. Number three, you ask a question about it. And number four, you just shut up. And the reason I say ask a question about it is because it's as easy as like, let's take Alex here, for example, who said that this weekend was rocky for him personally. All I have to say is when we see each other, hey, you told me uh, you're saying that the weekend was rocky. What was going on? I'm not forcing him to talk about it if he's not a, if he's not comfortable with it. I'm not in, engaging him in something that he doesn't want to continue. I'm just asking. And you can tell when someone is just ready to go or not. But you have to be quiet, right? It's so it's so tempting to say, you, you mentioned that you were having a rocky weekend, Alex. What's going on? And you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. I mean, we're just here having a beer. You know, it's so easy to just give the person so many outs that you're basically telling them, I don't want to hear it. And my, my learning from having done these thousand interviews on my site is I have to ask the tough questions and just shut up so that I could, I could let the other person have an opportunity to think about it and, and give me an answer or say, you know, that doesn't feel comfortable. Oh, so Most that, people almost always do feel comfortable and do want that. I, I found the same thing. And that I think that's really an interesting point is because a lot of us feel like we need to make people feel comfortable. So then we'll say something like, you know, you don't have to answer that or if that's too personal or something like that. And what you're saying is like, no, 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 no. Ask the question and shut up. Because if you say you don't need to answer it and you say it over and over, you're basically telling the other person, I don't want to hear it. I don't, I don't want to get into it. But if you were so needy that you have to talk about it, then fine, go for it. And it's not what we're feeling. So let's not communicate that. You said something in your writing that I can totally relate with, which is step four, shut up. And yeah. <laughs> and you've, you've written and you, you've been so intentional about your interviewing and how, how you've developed that skill. And it, it was interesting to me that you've written that when you first started interviewing, you would mm -hmm. ask the question and then 
literally hit the pause button on the microphone and tell yourself, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. So yes. you wouldn't interrupt the other person. Yeah. I, I would, um, I hate to say it, I would even put, since we weren't doing video interviews at the time, I would put my hand on my mouth and hit mute on the phone and just press hard because I couldn't believe that I'd asked it. Something like, what are your revenues? And I, I knew that there are some companies that just feel comfortable sharing their revenues. In fact, they publicly disclose it. I think Moz.com is one, for example. They publicly disclose it because they believe in complete transparency. And so asking Rand Fishkin, the founder of Moz, what are your revenues, isn't prying. But it feels like prying because you're not supposed to ask it. So I would actually hit the mute button on that hold. And then I realized after doing it a handful of times we're all adults. People feel comfortable saying what they want or just not answering a question that they don't feel comfortable answering. What they don't want is someone saying, oh, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to. Well, and I should point out here, for those people who have not heard your name before, that is one of the reasons that you have gotten such a following and traction on the internet. Um, for those of you who don't know, Andrew's really, really popular in the space. A lot of people follow him. A lot of people watch his interviews. And one of the things you're famous for doing, Andrew, is asking the tough question and seeing what people say. And so many people aren't willing to have the courage, I know I struggle with this, to just ask the tough question and be quiet and see where people go with it. Yeah. You're, you've been, you've, you're famous for doing that. And I think that's really cool that you've taken that and run with it. You do it a few times and you realize that the things you thought were tough aren't really tough. That the things you thought were tough are where, the real, where real life exists. That's where you really get to know people. Yeah. Yeah. And that there's no one else doing it or very few people who are willing to actually have that courage to do it. Yeah. Cool. I'll fly that on. Cool. Well, um, this is this is fabulous. So I'm going to put these four steps in the show notes because I know our audience is going to want to follow them. I've already been thinking about this since I saw your article of ways that I can bring this into my conversations more intentionally. Uh, I, you know, since both of us are students at Dale Carnegie, before I let you go, I'm just so curious you know, you were part of this course that you and I were involved with, I think 10 or 11 years ago. What now, when you look at your business and all that's happened in the last 10 years, what is the lesson from Dale Carnegie that's been most helpful to you that's helped you grow your business? You know, there's so many, but I'll come up with the, the one that's, that I've used right here in this conversation. In the past, before Dale Carnegie, I might have just wanted to give you all the facts around how to draw people out about this fa shoved fact technique. But I intentionally asked if I could tell you a story. And in the article that you saw, I intentionally included a story because one of the biggest lessons I got from the Dale Carnegie program is tell a story to illustrate your point and then make your point and let people see it and come to the, their conclusions through the story before you hit them with what the what you want them to take away from it. And my very analytical, very business-like brain would never have accepted that, except that I'd gone through the Dale Carnegie training. I'd seen people come in and just give these speeches at first that were just full of facts. And they weren't that interesting. And then towards the end, you'd see that they were so good at storytelling that I would sit there and sometimes you or if there was another instructor who was there would have to just say, hey, Andrew, you're supposed to pass out the, the slips of paper to take the votes <laughs> right. because I'd get so lost in their stories and I'd take away their message with it. That's why I can still to this day remember the way that you did the pasta, the, the, the yeah. spaghetti sauce. So I do that now when I have a... Um, 
when I have a point I want to make, I tell people a story. I try to make it personal. And then along with it, I tell them, uh, I give them a message. In interviews, I try to draw stories out of my guests. I know that if I have an hour-long interview with an entrepreneur, he's going to want to give a lot of facts. And that's not the most interesting way to spend an hour. So I've come up with ways to draw out their stories. I can't say, tell me a story because people think that stories are for, for kids. They hadn't gone through the Dale Carnegie training. And so they often don't value them enough. So I say, do you have an example of that? Mm. And that gets people to tell me a story. So if uh, someone tells me that, here, let me see, do I have anything? Let me see. When someone says, oh, here we go. Uh, here's a guest. I don't have his name here in my notes, but he said, we had a lot of challenges with our business. Every business has challenges. Now, as an interviewer, that sounds like a generic cliched answer. So the follow-up question to that is, for example, he says, I have a lot of challenges. You say, for example, and then the guest goes, well, three years ago, I couldn't make pay payroll. And I got so scared that I actually went to the bathroom and I threw up. Mm. Now, now you've got this story that I, that makes me care about him more, that I could maybe relate to to some degree, that makes me feel that he's a human being. So stories are one of the best lessons that I got from Dale Carnegie class. I use it when I communicate points myself, and I use it when I interview people and I want to get them to not just give me the facts, but also tell me the stories that go along with that. How has your audience responded as you've used stories in your communications and in your interviews? They remember it, but they don't know that they remember it because of stories. I try not to tell them that I'm getting them a bunch of stories because I think then they won't value it so much. Mm. They just remember all the facts and they, they, they don't realize that it's the stories that got those facts into their heads. We do really have a hang up on the word story, like as yes. a society, don't we? I know I did for years. I was against stories of any kind. I thought that was just very childish. That's a way of making business into something that a real business student and someone who takes it seriously would never care about. But we do. I learned almost the same thing when I would interview participants who were going to be in our classes is not to use the word story necessarily. But what I would do is someone would say something like, oh, I want to be a better leader. And I said, oh, you know, I, the way I would often respond to that is I'd say, I think I know what you mean. So I'd, I'd, I'd acknowledge what they said. And I'd say, just so I'm clear, tell me about a time that yeah. you felt like you weren't leading as effectively as you could or a time you struggled with that recently. And then like the, the floodgates would open. And what was so interesting to me, Andrew, is sometimes it would have nothing to do with leadership. But it would be something else entirely, like a stress stress situation or giving a presentation. And sometimes what people would articulate would be totally different than what they actually really needed help with. You know what? The way that you said it is something that I've learned too. Tell me about a time when you ask someone to talk about one, one day, one incident, one person, one example, they're so much more likely to tell you a story and to get clearer about what they're trying to say to you. So that's another good point. Tell me about a time when whatever happened. I think that was the genius of Dale Carnegie is that he in courses really, I don't want to say force, but really strongly encourage people get on one incident, one time, one yeah. situation. Yeah. And when people did that, wow, it'd be amazing the kinds of things we'd hear and that it's yeah. so powerful in their communication. Andrew, this has been fabulous. I'm just so grateful for you taking the time to share your wisdom with our audience. Um, for those who aren't familiar with your work, 
Um, what's the best way for people to track you down and benefit from some of the great interviewing you're doing and dare I say storytelling with, uh, with entrepreneurs? You know, I'm seeing that a lot of people are into podcasting. I've been doing it for years. And when I first did it, no one seemed to know what a podcast was. Um, now every app, every car, every, everything seems to include a podcast app. So I'd say this, instead of even coming over to my website, go to whatever podcast app you like and just look for Mixergy, M-I-X-E-R-G-Y, and you'll get a collection of our interviews. Well, Andrew has just been a leader online in helping out so many people, so many businesses. He's a great example of what we talk about in this show and just does a fabulous job of treating people with authenticity and integrity. Andrew, I'm really uh, grateful for your time. Thanks so much. And thanks for having Mixergy out there and really helping business leaders to become more effective in their work. I'm grateful for it. Cool. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. When Andrew Warner started interviewing entrepreneurs, that was not a popular medium out there. It is now a hugely crowded space, and yet he is still probably the best out there at asking entrepreneurs tough questions for the benefit of helping his audience to learn. So if you haven't checked out the Mixergy show, I would certainly recommend it. And I think you'll find that you'll gain a lot, especially if you're an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur. Check it out. And since we talked about Dale Carnegie a bunch, if you've been listening to the show just recently, you may not know that I also host a show for the Dale Carnegie organization that airs on the days this show doesn't, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. It's just a quick five to 10 minute daily show called Carnegie Coach. And each day we feature one skill from Dale Carnegie's library or respond to a question from the Dale Carnegie community and our clients and customers. So if that is something that's of interest to you, check it out. Uh, Carnegie Coach is the name of the show. And you can, of course, search for it on any podcast app or directory use like iTunes or Stitcher. And uh, speaking of the interview, I feel like I owe you the spaghetti sauce story now since Andrew mentioned it a couple of times. So here's the story. The, um, The backstory is my mom makes a real mean spaghetti sauce. So I think it was about fourth grade and I am getting off of the bus at our the bus stop in our neighborhood from school. And our bus stop was about three houses down from where we lived when I grew up. And so I walked off the bus that day and I could, I don't know how the wind was going that one day, but I could smell the fresh spaghetti sauce being made from our house, three houses up the street. The the aroma was filling my nose and somehow I could smell it right away. And I, I remember walking up the street and just being so excited for dinner because spaghetti was my favorite dinner by far when I was a kid. And so I was so excited to get in. I was super hungry that day. And I walk into the house and as I open the front door, the aroma of tomatoes and garlic and oregano just filled my nose. And I had this big grin on my face as I walked down the hall and into our kitchen, which was the first room you came upon after you walked down the long hallway through the first floor of our house. And sure enough, I look up and there's that large silver pot that I had always come to love seeing on the stove 
because it meant either spaghetti or chili, which <laughs> was my other favorite dish. But I knew it was spaghetti sauce because I could smell and I could see the steam coming out of the pot and going into the air. And I walked up to the stove and I put my hand on the top of the lid of this gigantic silver pot my mom had. And I lifted up the lid and I uh, took in the biggest whiff I possibly could. I had emptied my lungs to get this big whiff of spaghetti sauce smell in. And I took the biggest whiff and went, and the steam from the pot that had been boiling burned my nose pretty badly. And uh, thankfully, I didn't need any formal medical attention, but I had a bright red nose that night and uh, school pictures the next day. And so my fourth grade school pictures, I look like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. My mom saw the whole event from a room away and said she had never seen someone jump so high in their life. And so I learned a couple of things from uh, that event. Uh, One is when you're lifting a lid off a pot, always lift the corner uh, away from you up so that the steam goes away from you. That's a good life lesson. Second lesson I learned is if someone who cares about you a lot in life gives you the same warning about a danger multiple times as my mom had about this pot, it's generally a good idea to pay attention. Not bad advice for adults either. So there you go. <laughs> if you have feedback for this show, go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. That's also the place to submit a question for the next Q&A show that's coming up here in two weeks, episode 200. So uh, still looking for a few questions for that show. So if you'd like Bonnie or I to tackle, or both of us to tackle a topic you've been wondering about around leadership, I hope you will take a moment to submit it. Again, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback, and you can record it right there online on your phone or laptop, and you can even review it before you submit it to us. So thanks in advance if you decide to do that, and we look forward to considering your question for a future episode. And please do join my weekly leadership guide as well now. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, that there's almost 2,000 people now that are getting the weekly leadership guide. Thank you so much to all of you who have joined it. It is delivered to your inbox each Wednesday and includes my thoughts and recommendations on the best articles, podcasts, videos, and books that will support your development between the shows and also includes an overview and link to the weekly show notes from every episode that airs on the Mondays like today. So if you tend to listen on the go like me and want to come back to the notes later, those will always be included in that email and in this week's email. And of course, it'll have Andrew Warner's thoughts and those four steps. So uh, check that out. And as a bonus, when you join the leadership guide, you'll get instant access to my reader's guide that lists the 10 leadership books that I think will help you to get better results from others and brief summaries for me on the value of each book. It's a downloadable PDF and a nine-minute video on those recommendations. So if that is of interest to you, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. You'll start getting the leadership guides on Wednesdays. And of course, you'll get 
the book list right away. And I don't have a community member spotlight this week. I didn't quite get fast enough of getting things put together. But I hope that if you've been enjoying the spotlights and you have not yet been featured, which is most of you, I hope you'll consider submitting a community member spotlight for a future show. And if you'd like to learn more how to do that, you could be the person next week. Go to coachingforleaders.com slash spotlight. If you've been listening to the show for four years, or if you've just been listening for four weeks, it doesn't matter. You can uh, be considered for the spotlight. Again, coachingforleaders.com slash spotlight. Thanks as always for listening. Thanks again to Andrew. And I look forward to talking with you again next week. Take care.